Hey everyone, welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. Identity is important to us. Remembering who we are and where we come from is something that is valuable. In fact, in life, when we lose that perspective, it is usually not a good thing. There are times in our lives that we are most susceptible to losing our identity and forgetting who we really are. We're gonna talk about those times of life today. And as we do, we'll talk about what you and I can do to make sure we never forget who we really are. So I hope you'll listen closely and I hope you enjoy this because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. There was once a little small town and on the main street of the town, if you were to go there and say, Friday night were really more like early Saturday morning. The only lights you would see on on the street would be the lights of the local bar, the local tavern. And if you walked in uh, on any given night, uh, in fact, one particular night, if you walked in, you'd see the barkeeper and he'd be wiping down the bar and, and everything else. And then one particular night, there were two men that were seated at the bar, a couple stools apart from each other. And one of the men, he finally broke the silence and said to the other one, he said, hey, you know, where are you from? Where do you come from? The first man said, well, you know, I'm not really from around here. I actually grew up in upstate New York. And the first guy said, you're not going to believe this, but I grew up in upstate New York as well. And the guy said, well, what a small world. That's, that's pretty interesting. You grew up in upstate New York. And the first guy said, so tell me the town. What town did you grow up in? And the second guy said, well, you know, the town was just a little tiny town, you know, north of Albany, New York, nothing special. And the first guy said, you're not going to believe this, but I grew up in a little town just north of, of Albany. What's the name of your town? And the, the guy said, well, I grew up in a town called Minerva, New York. And the first guy said, this is unbelievable. I also come from Minerva, New York. That's where I spent my childhood. I went to school there. I graduated from Minerva High School. What year did you graduate? And the, and the, the one guy said, well, I graduated in 1982. And the, the first guy said, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe we don't know each other. I also graduated Minerva High School in 1982. And the other, the, he said to the, back to the first guy, he said, you know, what, what street did you grow up on there in Minerva? And the guy said, you know, I, I grew up right in town, grew up right in town on 3rd Avenue in Minerva. And the guy said, this is incredible. I also grew up on 3rd Ave in Minerva. He said, what was the name of your house number? And the, the guy said, well, I was 7, 7 3rd Ave in Minerva. And the guy said, this is unreal. I am also grew up at 7 3rd Avenue in Minerva, New York. And just then the phone rang and the barkeeper picked it up and his wife was on the phone and she said, how's it going down there? Is anyone down there? And he said, ah, it's slow. It's just the Johnson twins and they're drinking again. <laughs> you ever forget who you are and where you come from? You ever have that happen in life? where you forget who you are and where you come from? I think that happens to all of us from time to time. And it's usually not a good thing, is it? We usually don't talk about stories like that in that context where we say that's a good thing. When you forget your roots, 
Forget your upbringing. Forget who you are and where you come from. You ever have that happen in life where you get off the beaten path, you get off the way you're supposed to go, and the reason you, you get down a road that you never wanted to be on is because in some way in your life, you really forget who you are and where it is that you come from. I want to suggest to you this morning in the few moments that we have that there is a point in our lives, that there are specific moments in our lives where you and I are especially susceptible to forgetting who we are and where it is that we come from. And it's not a good thing. I think there's many movies Right? Many movies, many stories that we hear where this is the plot line, where the main character goes out into the world, let's say, and just forgets who they are and where they come from, forgets the things that they grew up with, forgets their roots, and the whole storyline revolves around the fact that they're coming back to what really matters, coming back to who they are and who it is that they were taught to be, and the fundamentals that they learned that they just gave up over time. And for many of us, that's a, a mistake that we make. It's not something that we want to do, it's a mistake that we make. We make the mistake of forgetting who we are and where it is that we come from. And what I want us to think about over the next few moments, if we don't want to be those kind of people, I want us to think about the reality that there is a certain point in life, in your life and my life, and we both experience it. And we don't just experience it once, we experience it over and over and over again in life. There are moments where we are most susceptible, if you're not careful and I'm not careful, that we will forget who we are and where it is we come from. And this morning, as we continue our walk through the book of Joshua, and we're in Joshua chapter 5, we come to a moment where God's people, the Israelites, are at a place, and they're at the exact same kind of place that you and I find ourselves in. They're also at the place where it would be very easy for them to forget who they are and where they come from. They are in a moment that I'm going to call a moment of transition. They're ready to go from one thing to the next. They're ready to move on from what happened to what is going to happen. And if you remember the story with me, right? If you remember the story, the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt. God calls Moses to call them out of Egypt. They escape slavery in Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They wander around in the desert. And I know we've said this a number of times for the last few weeks, but we can't forget the story. They wander around in the desert for 40 years. Now they're done wandering. Think about that. Four decades of wandering. One generation dies in the desert. Another generation rises up. This generation knows nothing else than being a nomadic tribe in the ancient world going from place to place. And now they're moving through the Jordan River we talked about a couple of weeks ago. God parts the Jordan River. They move through that. And now ahead of them is the city of Jericho. And this is the first big battle for the people. The first test of moving into what for generations has been called the promised land and the, has been promised to this group of people by God. And here's what I think would happen. When you have momentum, you want to keep that momentum going, don't you? Like if I was in doing, making a business decision or a personal decision, if I had momentum in something, I would want to keep that momentum going. So here's kind of what I expect to happen in the life of God's people. I expect them to come off this unbelievable high of the Jordan River, God parting a river so that the entire nation, about you know, hundreds of thousands of people with their livestock and everything else could move through the water. 
that they would come off that high and they would take all of that momentum and they would just go right into Jericho, right into battle. Why wait? Everything is moving in their favor. In fact, it's not just that they're excited, but look what happens as a result of the Jordan River parting. Not just about the people being excited. Look what happens to the nations around them. This is the first verse in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea. So these are all the, the people groups that the Israelites are going to take their land. When they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. You got to travel with me a little bit back to the ancient world. You have people groups living in the ancient world, tribes of people. They each have their own gods. The way they interpret events is if one great things happen for one people group over another, that that people's gods are way stronger than their gods. Does that make sense? Or that group's god is better than their god. And so when these people groups who are worshiping their gods see the God of the Israelites part the Jordan River and this giant nomadic group of people coming their way to a land that's been promised to them for generations, they are fearful. I would expect that the Israelites would take all of that momentum, not just the fact that they're on an absolute high because God has parted the Jordan River and they went through it, but also the fact that everyone's on their heels The kings of the Amorites and the Canaanites, they're all on their heels. They're all worried. They're all afraid. Now is the time to go and get them. I would expect God would come to Joshua and that he would say to Joshua, Joshua, we got to keep the ball rolling here, buddy. we got to keep the momentum building. Take all the people, get all the men, and go take the city of Jericho. But that is not what happens. In fact, in Joshua chapter 5, God has the people just sit in transition. They're moving from Jordan to the Jericho, and he just has them stay there. And the reason God has them stay there is the same reason you and I have to be very careful when we walk through transitions in our life. God has them in camp after they come through the Jordan River. And rather than rush right into Jericho, they stay. And three significant things happen. I think when you read through the text, it'd be easy to skip over some of these and not see them as hugely significant. But three very significant things happen in this chapter. Two of them happen to the entire nation. And one of them happens directly to their leader, Joshua. So what does God tell the people to do first? Coming out of the Jordan River, all the excitement, as Justin preached last week, they build the memorial. They build the memorial to the great work that God has done. They remember that God, of what God has done as a reminder that God is not done. They're worshiping, they're celebrating, they're remembering. What does God ask them to do? Throw a party, have a festival? This is what he says in verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. What in the world is that all about? What is happening there? 
These are, this is one of those verses, and I just want to stop here for a second. This is one of those verses in the Bible that if you're not careful, it's easy to skip over and it's easy to write off, and you will miss the significance of what is happening here. I think it sounds very odd to a modern mind for God to request this of his people. For this to be God's directive to Joshua coming out of the Jordan. The people are excited. The kings are afraid. I, if I was going to list the top 1,000 things I would think to do next, this isn't even close to that list that I would come up with. So what is God doing here? Why would he ask his people to do this? I want you to be careful when you read the biblical text. Not to always impose your modern mindset and how the world works today back on an ancient text that is hundreds, thousands of years old. You're talking about four or 500 years ahead of Christ's coming. Four, 400 BC, 500 BC, in that time frame we're talking here. Almost every tribe that we have has some sort of initiation rite something that sets them apart. And oftentimes it involves some sort of sacrifice, doesn't it? It involves something that, that, that you have to prove that you really want to be a part of the group. Whether that means that you're joining a fraternity or a sorority, or whether that means you're joining a sports team, whether that means that you're trying to get in a certain field and so you're the resident in the hospital and you have to work 120 hours a week, or you're the associate in the law firm and you have to work crazy hours, or you're the public accountant in the auditing firm and you do all the difficult work. When someone is trying to join a certain group, there is often some sort of right that involves some sort of struggle or sacrifice that you have to walk through in order to prove that you are in the group and you're a part of it. Now let's go back in the ancient world. Not just 2,400 years ago or 2,500 years ago. Let's go back even further than that. Generations earlier to a man named Abraham. This book that you're reading is one giant story of God revealing himself to us and restoring the world to the way it should be. Okay? God, go thousands of years back to a man named Abraham living in the ancient world. God, God commands Abraham to practice this rite of circumcision. And in the ancient world, it was a way to set Abraham and his followers apart. It was a rite that meant something to them. It separated them from the people around them. And it involved some sacrifice. And so you have this whole group that came out of Egypt, right? That group practiced this right once they came out of Egypt. They all die in the desert. They're worried about food and moving from place to place. This was not on the forefront of their minds. So now you have an entire generation of people who follow God that have not practiced the right that says they're a part of the tribe. And so God says, before we go any further into the promised land, Joshua, let's reestablish that I am your God and you are my people. And that right that I gave to your father Abraham, practice it again among the people. And the people do it. It sounds odd to us, but you got to put yourself back in their world. God works within history and time frames. So he's going to speak to the people in a way they understand. They understood this. This set them apart. They were the tribe that followed Yahweh, the God of the Bible. 
And so God has them do this first, but this isn't the only thing he has the nation do. This isn't the only thing that God has the people do while they're encamped before Jericho. If you look a little bit further down in the chapter, you look at verse 10. This is also what the Israelites did. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. So here they are outside of Jericho at a place called Gilgal. And on the day that they are supposed to celebrate the Passover, the nation of Israel does so. Now, if you're familiar with the Passover, then you know its significance. The Passover speaks back to what God did in bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. And so if circumcision is this moment where the people dedicate themselves to the one true God, the Passover feast then is a reminder of who this God is and what he does. He is their deliverer. He is their savior. He's the one who brought them out of slavery and is bringing them into the promised land. So there's the rite of circumcision, there's the feast of Passover, and then the third thing that happens in this chapter happens directly to their leader, Joshua. But I want to suggest to you this morning, it serves a very similar purpose. Here's what happens. Joshua, he's thinking about Jericho. They're past the Jordan, they're in camp, but Joshua has Jericho on his mind. That's the battle he has to lead people in. So he goes down and scouts out Jericho, and we read in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or our adversaries? That's the same question I would ask, right? That is the exact same question I would ask. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Are you with us or against us? He sees a man he doesn't recognize with a drawn sword. Joshua wants to know immediately, are you here to kill me or are you here to fight with me? And I love the answer he gets back. And the man said to Joshua, no. Maybe your Bible says a word like neither. I'm sure that was a confusing answer. Are you for me or against me? Are you here to kill me or fight with me? Are you with us or against us? And the man looks back at Joshua and says, no, no. But as the com- I am the commander of the army of the Lord, now I have come. Joshua asked this question. And this I don't, know, I don't know that anyone knows exactly who the figure is, maybe an angel, but someone that's sent by God, someone who is the voice of God to Joshua. Joshua says, you with me or against me? And the person looks back at him and says, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I am here. All three of these events, and we'll get back to what Joshua does in a moment, But all three of these events are so important in the life of the Israelites, and they're important for you, and they're important for me, and I'll tell you why. The times that you and I are most susceptible to forgetting who we are and where we come from are moments of transition in our life. And the people of God, the Israelites, are in a huge moment of transition. They've come through the Jordan River, big miracle. They're getting ready to go into battle in the city of Jericho, the first battle. This has been anticipated for generations. And rather than taking all of that momentum and throwing it into the fight, God says, stop. Don't rush through this transition. 
Don't just run from one thing to the next. Slow down. Practice this right. Have this feast. And he has a talk directly to the leader, Joshua. Why? Why does God do this? Because there's two things that are true about transition in your life and my life. In moments of transition, we are susceptible to forgetting things that are important. In moments of transition, we are susceptible to forgetting things that are important. You know, there's phrases that we use for people who are in moments of transition. I remember uh, when I got out of school, when I got out of seminary, when I was in seminary, I was working at like a factory type job. And so I would go to work in a t-shirt and old jeans. And by the end of my shift, I would be a mess, just dirty and dusty. And it was hard work, uh, but it was helping pay for my school. When I finished school, right as I was getting out of school, the same company offered me a managerial position in sales. And so overnight, I went from the guy who walked in in my t-shirt and dirty jeans to the young guy that people sneered at because I walked in in my suit and tie and went and did sales. I had worked next to on the line the same people for a couple of years while I was in school. And you know what they said to me when I got the suit job, the suit and tie job with sales? Almost everyone on the line said something like this to me. Go off to your super fancy sales job. Be happy in your suit and tie. But don't forget where you came from. Don't forget us on the floor. Don't forget what it was like to be down here. And you've experienced something like that too. It was time for you to move out of your parents' house, or it was time to go from middle school to high school, or it was time to move on from one job to another job. You've gone through moments of transition, and someone has come up to you, and they've said something along the lines of, remember who you are and where you come from. Don't forget as you move from this small town to the big city. Don't forget as you go from the small school to the big school. Don't forget as you go off to the university. Don't forget who you are and where you came from. Why do we say that to people who are in transition? Because we know in moments of transition, we are susceptible to forgetting and moving on from what is valuable and important. We get so wrapped up in our lives and moving from one thing to the next, even if it's not important, even if our transition is going on our errands throughout the day, and all we can think about is getting from Target to Kohl's, even that transition will cause us to forget things that are important. You know, we, if you buy a new vehicle, one of the features that you can get on newer vehicles is something that reminds you that your child is in the back seat. Seen these? Or if you don't have a super fancy vehicle with that, with that feature, the parenting blogs will tell you this trick. Take off your left shoe when you get into your car to drive and put it on the passenger seat next to you. That way, when you go to get out of the car and remember you don't have a shoe on, you'll remember that your kid is in the back seat and you won't accidentally leave him there. Why do we need a reminder like that? Because in our lives, we get so wrapped up in getting our stuff done, moving from one thing to the next. And this is only getting worse, I would suggest to you. Moving from one thing to the next, and not just the huge things like school to school or job to job or town to town, we get all wrapped up in just getting our work done, moving from place to place and meeting to meeting, getting everything done that we need to get done, and we start to forget things that are important. How many of you have gotten to the airport only to realize your wallet, passport, and or keys were still back at the house? We got to the airport once and realized that our diaper bag was still on the shuttle bus we took. Why does that happen? Because you're thinking of the next thing. 
You're thinking of the next thing. And when you're thinking of the next thing, you are susceptible to forgetting what is important. And God knew this about his people. You know what was important was that God was leading them. That he brought them through the Jordan. And so he tells them to pause for a moment. And remember who he is. See, moments in transition in your life and my life, and we've done this before, some of us. We look back at some mistakes that we made, some things we walked through that we didn't want to do, that time that we walked away from the Lord and then had to come back. My guess is the moments of transition in your life opened up the doors for you to do that. And in moments of transition, we become susceptible to forgetting what is important. But there's a second thing that happens in moments of transition. We start to worry about who is with us. We start to worry about who is on our side. If I'm going from one job to the next, I want to know who at my old job is with me. Who will stand up for me? Who will give me the reference? And then in the new job, will the people like me? Will the people welcome me in? Will I be able to find my place on this team? When I'm moving from school to school, when I'm going from middle school to high school, I start to worry about, will my friends from middle school desert me? Will I find new friends at the high school? And we start to get all wrapped up, don't we? As maybe we move into a new family, and we, we get married, and as we're planning the wedding, we're saying to ourselves, who's with us? Which family members are for this? Which family members are against this? Who's speaking bad against our wedding behind our back? Who's for us? Who's, who's happy about this? And then we start to add children, and we say to ourselves, who's happy? Who's with us? Who's for us? And in moments of transition, we worry about who is with us? Who's on my side? Who's got my back? And in this moment, where it would be so easy for his people to get all wrapped up in this battle of Jericho and start saying to themselves, who's with me? Who's for me? And in fact, Joshua says the very question, doesn't he? He sees a guy with his sword drawn and his only question is, not are you from God? Not who are you? His first question, you with me or against me? This is a big deal. We're about to go into Jericho. We're about to go into battle. You for us or against us? And we do the same thing. God knows that his people are in an important moment of transition. They could very easily go from the Jordan to Jericho, and if they do it quickly, they could forget who God is, and they would be so much more worried about who is with them and who's against them and whether or not they could win this battle. You notice who's not worried about the battle at all? God. He's got that battle under control. He's not worried about what's going to happen when everyone gets to Jericho. God does these three things as a reminder to the people that what is most important in their life is not who is on their side, but whose side they are on. All of this the rite of circumcision, the celebration of the Passover, the meeting face-to-face -face with Joshua, all of it is this giant reminder that God is not a part of the people's work. This is not the people finally going and getting the promised land. God is not a part of their work. They are a part of God's work. They are not people who are in authority. They are people who are under authority. And what's most important in this moment of transition is not who is for them or not who is against them, but whose side they are on. And as they practice the right and as they celebrate the Passover and as Joshua meets face to face with this commander, we'll see this in a moment, what we see is the people and the leader are 
saying over and over, God, we are with you. I remember one time and being at my grandmother's house, and we used to have Sunday dinners at her house, and this was in the Midwest, so there was a giant piece of red meat and a giant pile of potatoes, maybe something green, maybe. And we were sitting around the table, my cousin was in from out of town, and she was graduating high school, and she was very concerned about which college she was going to go to. And so we, weren't, we were not eating yet because we were in this conversation. And I think my grandfather just really wanted to get the meal started. And so this whole conversation is happening. And you know when you're 17, 18 years old, this is a big deal. And so my cousin was saying she was trying to decide between two schools. They were both excellent schools. They were literally across the street from each other in the city of Pittsburgh. I believe it's, a, it's Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh, and Carnegie Mellon, across the street from one another. And she was back and forth. Which one should I go to? Which one should I be at? Which one should I go to? Pitt has this. Carnegie Mellon has that. And she's going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, my grandfather said, and I'll never forget it, he said, you know what? I think God cares a whole lot less about which school you're going to choose and a whole lot more about whether or not you serve him when you're there. And then we finally got to eat. You know, sometimes we get so worked up in transition. We start to forget what's most important. We start to worry about who's with us, who's against us. What decision am I making? How is this going to work out? And we don't just do it on the big things. Which school am I going to do it? Go, go to. We do it on the very small things. How am I going to get my activities done today? How am I going to get all my errands done? How am I going to, to go from meeting to meeting to mail to inbox and my email and get through all these things? And it's from place to place and thought to thought and person to person and meeting to meeting. Our lives are just one big movement. It's transition after transition after transition in our daily life. And while we're going through all those transitions and we're worried about uh, who's with us and how we're going to get it all done, you know what we forget? We forget what's most important in life. We forget who we are as God's people. Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren has said, people are most open to the gospel in time of transition and tragedy. I think that's true. I think the opposite is true as well. For those of you who already believe that call yourselves followers of Jesus Christ, it is most easy for you to walk away when you're walking through transition. I've spent about 15 years in ministry in the church I can't tell you the amount of people I've watched walk away because they went from high school to college and decided to walk away. Or because they were married and they got divorced, and when they got divorced, they gave up the faith. They were single, they found their spouse, they got married, now they're gone. For some reason in life, transition opens up the opportunity for us to forget what's most important and most valuable. It offers us the opportunity to walk away from what matters most. And I wonder as you sit here this morning if that's where you are. Some of you sitting here this morning are dangerously close to that place where you know it's only a little while 
before the job changes or you move or you go somewhere else. You're walking from one thing to the next and opens that, it opens that door for you to forget what's most important, forget who you are in the Lord and to walk away and do your own thing. I want to encourage you this morning to slow down. Stop running from thing to thing so quickly and do something to remind yourself of who you are. You don't want to lose what's most important. You don't want to lose your identity. You don't want to forget who you are and where you come from. Then do this. In your moments of transition in life, and I mean transitions as simple as getting up in the morning and getting your day started, take those opportunities to slow down and remember who you are by remembering whose you are. Find ways in your life to slow down and remember who you are by remembering whose you are. See what happened? The people, they practiced this rite of circumcision and they very clearly remembered whose they are. They are gods and they made that mark. They practiced that rite to make it clear to everybody they are God's people. And they remembered the feast and all that God had done through Passover and, and all that God had done in Egypt. And they remembered who God is and this is the God that they serve. And then Joshua had this moment where he said to the to the commander of the army of the Lord, are you with me or are you against me? And the commander just looked at him and said, no. No, Joshua. It's not how you should deal with this transition. It's not about who's with you and who's against you, Joshua. Once more, God is making sure, Joshua, that you are on his team. Stop worrying about who's on your team. Worry about whose team you're on. And that man says to Joshua, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I am now here. And looks what Joshua does. And Joshua fell flat on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to my servant? I don't know where you are this morning. Some of you can look back on your life and you can see where in moments of transition you walked away. In moments of transition you walked away and God has graciously and mercifully welcomed you back. And today you just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you've welcomed me back. Even though I walked away, I forgot who I was. I forgot what was most important. God, you have forgiven me. You have, I receive your grace and I want to thank you for that. You know, that's exactly where the disciples were when Jesus was crucified. We're about to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. Do you know what happened when the disciples went through the biggest transition of their lives? Where Jesus, who they had followed for three years, was then arrested and crucified? You know what they did in that moment of transition? Did they remember who they were by remembering whose they were? Did they remember that this is the God, this is, this is Jesus, who had done the miracles and who had, had foretold his death and who was building a new kingdom? No, they ran. They ran. They got worried about who was for them and who was against them, if the Jews were going to kill them too. You know what Jesus did when he rose from the dead? He went and found them, welcomed them back, told them they were going to do a great work. And so let's say today you walk in here and you're in a moment of transition, you've already walked away. I want you to know this morning that Jesus Christ is calling you back. Your identity is with him. If you've been a follower of him, 
and you've walked away, grace and mercy welcomes you back. And so maybe this morning you can tell that story already. Maybe you're in the middle of it and you need to be welcomed back. Maybe this morning you are on the verge of using transition as an excuse to go do your own thing. I want to encourage you this morning to take time to remember who you are by remembering whose you are. I'm going to invite our worship team forward this morning as we close. And as we do, I just want to suggest a few things to you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to have regular things happening in your life that remind you who you are. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. There's a number of different things you could do. But I want to encourage you this week, this week, make a decision that every morning you get up this week, you're going to do something to remember who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. So you might get up this morning and maybe there's a prayer that you've written out that you're going to say every morning when you get up. Maybe there's, there's scripture that you're going to read every morning when you get up. You know, I was reminded that in our fellowship hall, we have these journals and these books. These were all made by Gabby Goulet, uh, who's away at school right now, but who is part of this church and this church plant. And she personalized all of these and is, and is uh, selling them for donations. You can talk to me afterwards uh, later for that, for a missions trip that she's doing to Europe uh, in a little bit. But maybe you take one of these journals and every morning when you got up this week, you'd write down a prayer. Something that reminds you who you are so that you don't forget. I don't know about you, I can so easily forget who I am in Jesus Christ. I can get so worried about how I'm going to get things done and I can get so caught up in moving from thing to thing and just worrying about who's with me and who's against me. I need to spend my time just focused on whose side I'm on. And so do you. So God, this morning, I thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you are the God who delivers us. You are the God who loves us. You are the God who leads us. And God, I pray this morning that you would forgive us for the times that we use transition, whether those are the big transitions in life or the small ones, to run away from you. God, I pray this morning that we would be the kind of people who would slow down. Slow down. So rather than forgetting what's most important and getting all caught up and worried about life, they would remember who we are by remembering that we are yours. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together and let's worship God as we close. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T-Hope Belmont. 
Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.